Hello, welcome to Talking Fit. I'm Paul Rose. I'm here as ever with Luke Morgan. And today we are joined by two of our first ever guests from season one, uh, Ty Daly and Suzanne Turner. Welcome to the show, both of you. Uh, we're going to crack on straight away. What we want to talk about today is a bit of a kind of 2020 review. So we've got Ty and Suzanne on as two people who, as I mentioned, we spoke to months and months ago, April, May time, when we were first in in lockdown. Um, two people who had big challenges for 2020, which have obviously not happened. And this is kind of a, a bit of an update on what's happened since then how plans have been changed and changed and changed again and just to kind of see where we're at in that sense but also to kind of look at how the constant changing climate shall we say um has impacted things like training and motivation to keep training and and things like that um, so we're going to come to Ty first. Ty, so your challenge at the start of the year was uh, the ultra tour. You were running 15 ultra marathons, marathons, obstacle races for um, children with cancer UK and high five for Ollie, aiming to raise a lot of money for those two charities. I know you, you have raised a substantial sum for them anyway, but obviously the challenge hasn't gone quite to plan. Um, you you did get a couple of events in before we were locked down, before COVID happened. Um, and I know you've got bits in, in the kind of gaps uh, throughout the year. Just give us a little update on, on where things are, how things have changed over the last nine months. Okay. Okay, cheers, Paul. So, yeah, so the plan was to do 15 marathons, ultra marathons, and obstacle races through through 2020. And for for me, not being a long distance runner, that was big, big, big challenge. And um, the idea was to raise 10 grand for these two charities, Children with Cancer UK and High Five for Ollie. And the fundraising part actually has gone really, really well. Um, we raised 7,500 pounds, split evenly between the two charities. And I'm I'm really happy with that, considering the the state that 2020 was. Um, I think I think that's great. That's just a testament to everyone who supported me doing it. Um, like you said, we had a couple of uh, a couple of runs happened before before the lockdown. So uh, January we got an ultramarathon in January. We got another ultramarathon in February. And then March, just as things were starting to get a little bit unsure, we were we were hearing things in the news that this this coronavirus was was actually quite serious. Um, we went uh, we went up to Edinburgh. We did uh, we did double deer stalker, and I did that with Paul, and that was really good. But that was just before lockdown. That was as we were driving back. It was like okay, things are starting to close. People are shutting down. This is really quite serious now. Uh, I hope I haven't got it. Uh, that was that was kind of the thing that was running through my mind at that point. And once we got back, and once we were were happy that okay, we we're not ill, and this this is a good thing. What's going to happen to the rest of the tour? What's going to happen to the rest of the plans? Um, and we've got a sixty mile ultra booked for April, which was cancelled. 
And I think it was probably a couple of weeks before that event was due to run that we did the first podcast. So I, I just took a break in April because actually the cancellation of that event really hit my motivation. And I just sort of stopped for a couple, just for a couple of weeks and just went, okay, let's, let's rethink what we're going to do. And the companies, multiple companies that are running these events did the same thing, probably. They went, right, we've got to cancel stuff. Let's take stock and work out what we're going to do. And people started putting together these, uh, these virtual events, these virtual runs. So get out in your local area with a few mates and put it up on Strava or Map My Run or whatever, and, and we'll send you the medals because you'd already bought your tickets and they've got lots of medals they needed to get rid of. And people were running for charity uh, and for, for other personal reasons, and they wanted to keep doing that. So, so I got on the bandwagon with that and did, and did some of those. So um, May, I ran a, a local marathon in May, just myself on the hottest day of the year to date, which was stupid and brutal and horrible and just came in with dehydration and heat stroke and the worst, slowest marathon I've ever run, but raised quite a lot of money. Uh, it turns out if you put videos on social media of you in lots of pain, people are more uh, tempted to put their hand in their pocket for you than, than if you post videos of you having a lovely time running along the coast somewhere. Um, so we did that and um, and then me and Paul both did uh, virtual run stock, which again, it was how many, the, the actual event was to be how many 5k laps can you run um, o over the weekend. And in the end, we ran 100k. <laughs> which wasn't the plan to start with, but the closer we got to it, the more feasible it seemed that it was going to be. Um, and we ran, um, I, I ran 12 miles on the Friday, 20 miles on the Saturday, and then me and Paul got together for a, a socially distanced run in the countryside on the Sunday and, and ended up doing 30 miles to bring it up to the, the 100K. And, and again, we raised a few quid there, but I think at that point... Um, People, are, people started to get a bit fatigued, I think, with fundraising and virtual events. There seems to be, I don't know if it's a psychology thing, there, there seems to be a difference in the support that you get for, for charities, at least, when you're running on your own or running with your mates virtually and when you're actually doing an event put on by somebody else. I think running on your own or running with a couple of others around your local area, whilst it might be a challenge because you've set a distance, there isn't very much difference between that and going for a training run. And obviously as part of this, there was a lot of training running. So essentially it's just it's going for another run and it became quite difficult to raise money doing that. Um, which again, it sort of gets, it gets your motivation because I'm not going to say I don't enjoy running. I, would, I wouldn't have done this if I didn't enjoy running a little bit. But I certainly didn't go into this thinking um, I'm, I'm going to have a great time. The, the idea was to have a, a real, like a proper challenge, something that I wouldn't naturally have done and, and, and use that as the driver to raise some funds. Um, so, yeah, in the summer, things started to get a little bit tough and a little bit rocky when it came to motivation. Uh, Paul had an idea to dig us out of that. I don't know if you want to talk about white horse, Paul. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I think the thing with um, virtual events, it was a bit like Zoom fitness classes. 
um, and and YouTube fitness classes and things like that is at first when we went into lockdown there was a bit of a novelty factor and everyone was still quite upbeat and thinking well you know this is a bit rubbish but it, it won't be forever um, we'll just embrace it and enjoy it and it'll be done soon we'll be back to normal and then that the longer it went on the more that kind of tailed off and the enthusiasm dropped and I guess that's kind of natural um, and I think we one thing we probably learned is things like zoom fitness classes and, and virtual events kind of fill a gap they do a job but not forever um, and before we go into white horse I'm gonna go over to Suzanne because your challenge the adventure grand slam so you were doing the, the seven summits the seven the highest peak on each continent and skiing the last degree to to both the poles north and south pole didn't really have virtual alternatives to those um i mean i saw i did i think i did see someone say oh yeah i've done the height of mont blanc or something walking up and down the stairs there's only so many times you can do that and it's not quite the same um how have your plans and things been impacted by all of this because i know when we spoke the first time you had sort of a plan a plan b plan c and it was all a case of, well, you know, if that one doesn't happen, then that one will. And if that one doesn't happen, then that one definitely will. And now we're at the point where, yeah, that's not really happening either. Because um, obviously things have gone on for far longer than any of us expected them to back in the spring. And it doesn't look like they're likely to change any time soon either. Are you now looking more like 2023, 2022? Um, or is it? Is it not that simple? Um, yeah, it's definitely not that simple. Um, at the moment, I've pretty much just not got a date on it. Um, and I'm in that phase now of, of, of kind of reviewing the whole thing. Um, not necessarily to say that it's not going to happen, but I think it's going to be uh, different. And in some ways, there is now cogs turning in my mind of effectively making it bigger but in the same way also taking the time element out of it um possibly there's a lot of ideas going on in my head at the moment that um and, and none of them none of them have a definite attached to them i think the word definite is pretty much just you can't use it really for these these kind of things because you can you know you, you sort of think well you know yeah i could do this i could do this i could do this and you think you know but actually will i be able to do that and it's for things completely out of your control. I mean, you know, I should, if this year had gone to plan, I should now be in the final preparations of setting off for Antarctica and South America for the first part of that, um, of that particular challenge. I should have been setting out to head up to, to Vincent and, and the South Pole. But um, instead, I'm, I'm at home. Um, haven't even set foot on a mountain since March. So um, the whole thing is, is completely uh, turned on its head. And I think when, when we spoke last back in, what was that, April, May time, I was still in the, the oh yeah, no, it's, it could still happen. I haven't given up on it here. It could still go ahead. Um, and then I think it was, you know, a couple of months after that, I don't know, August, September, August time, I actually had to sort of say, no, this isn't, this isn't happening. 
not not in the the time that I wanted it to although I was originally planning it to so I moved it a year to be starting sort of January 2022 it would be but even that now is hmm okay maybe but then again maybe not so it there's again there's there's nothing definite about it so it's it's very much a bit of a work in progress it's evolving um and I think this you know this kind of time that we've had this year has been a roller coaster emotionally around sort of everything not just to do with the challenge itself um a lot of uncertainty so i think i've i've kind of got to a point where i'm like i can't i can't really make any absolute firm decisions on this so i'm just kind of going with the flow a little bit and seeing what transpires and and how this evolves but it is evolving and and it is actually getting more ambitious <laughs> <laughs> in a weird kind of a way um so i don't know uh there's there's lots of question marks around it it is going to happen um but it may actually become now part of something bigger um you want to expand on that so oh yeah, i don't know do i want to expand on this yeah. um <laughs> that's what i i've got this really good idea it's going to take over the world but i can't tell you <laughs> do i want to expand on this yet um well, I mean, you and we'll I have already had a bit of a discussion around this anyway. Yeah. Um, at the last time I saw you earlier this month. Um, see, I have this, this sort of this ambition that not just for the seven summits, but also for the, the, the 8,000 meter peaks. And having done a little bit of research, there's actually only, I think, two people who have done it in the world. So at the minute, you know, there isn't, as far as I'm aware, and I'm this again, I'm still researching this. Um, so yeah, the longer term ambition may be actually to expand this, not just for the, the Grand Slam of the seven summits and the two poles, but to also add in the, the 14, 8,000 meter peaks in the Himalayas. Um, and, and that, to do that, obviously, it does take the speed element out of it because I'm not planning on doing this in some kind of one season thing. You know, this becomes a much longer term. I think I, maybe it'll be I'll, I'll aim to have done it by the time I'm 55, which gives me six years. Or maybe it'll be a lesser time frame than that. I don't know. It, but say it's it's a it's a bigger project. But um, and there's a lot of research to do and a lot of planning to do and a lot of thinking on it. But uh I guess the speed, of, the speed part of the Grand Slam may still be a part of it. I guess one of the the thing that kind of jumps out to me when we spoke originally, one of the big hurdles with the Grand Slam was going to be the Arctic and Arctic ice and whether you know how accessible it would be. We were talking a year from when we spoke six seven months ago, or two years from there. So. As the longer this goes on, the more unlikely it is that you'll it will be physically possible to do that part of the Grand Slam challenge. And then the other thing with when you're talking about the the big peaks, the training you have to do requires travel. It's you know it's not like with with Ty's challenge, you can't just go and well, you can go and trek around the Chilterns, but that's going to help your fitness, but it's not going to help things like acclimatization and getting adjusting to the kind of kit you've got to use. You can't go and wear your polar suit out on Ivinghoe Beacon. 
Um, you could, but... <laughs> you can, but it's very warm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've got these these other elements, which, I mean, I, you can't even think about planning training trips, probably for until vaccines start becoming the norm and travel opens up globally again. So how do you kind of work with are you just not not planning at the moment is it all just ideas and then wait and see it's a it's a bit of both there are expeditions going on in the himalayas right now there are some k2 winter expeditions that are on i hope that travel to places like that particularly will become a possibility sooner rather than later because of the impact that not having that sort of tourist and expedition side of things is having on those countries and, and their local economy. And it, I mean, you know, Nepal for one is the people are in a desperate state. You know, they've tourism and the expedition industry is their livelihood. And they've already missed a complete season, um, which for a lot of the, the people in the remote areas, that's that's all they have. Um, they don't have, you know, they don't have healthcare, they don't have a national health service, they don't have a furlough scheme there's no government help for them they're pretty much just up in the mountains and with no income uh, and and also you know the risk for them of covid is such that if uh, if it does get up into to those remote areas then they can't just nip down to hospital um because there's no there's it takes days for them to to walk into anywhere that even an ambulance could get to so um you know for them they've lost an awful lot this year. And so I hope that the tourism industry will pick up for their sake so that, you know, they can get an income back into their economy again. But a lot of it is, you know, we do have to see what happens as a, from an expedition point of view, we also have to consider the risk of us from outside countries taking this virus into their country. So there's, there's two sides of looking at it. Um, and I don't think, you know, I don't think anything's going to open up until it's safe to. I have kind of sort of got this, this goal of, of Gashabrum 2 in, well, sort of over July, August, which is the 13th highest peak, just over 8,000 metres. Um, that expedition at the moment is on the cards. It is going ahead as far as we know, but it's still subject to change. Nobody can really predict what's going to happen in the next six months. So, so that is kind of what I'm I'm working towards uh, is the first big goal of this year. But I'm very much kind of going with the flow a bit and I'm not kidding myself that actually there is a chance that it might not happen because we can't predict what's going to what's going to go ahead over the next six months. So jumping back yeah. to Ty, what you did have, um, th- well, not this year, last year, 2020, um, which Suzanne didn't really was there there was a period in the summer where things seemed to be opening up a bit and there seemed to be a glimmer of hope that maybe the second half of the year would be able to get some events in and it would just be a case of shifting the time scale a bit so rather than having your events from running through throughout 2020 it would be the second half of 2020 and the first half of 2021 um which you mentioned White Horse, so I think it was late July, 
early August. It was about six, seven weeks before the event in September. Yeah. I saw um, an advert or something for the White Horse Ultramarathon, 50 and 100 mile options. 100 mile wasn't an option for either of us, even if we'd wanted to. You had to have done a 50 miler before or in the last two years and be able to prove it to, to be allowed to enter, um, which neither of us were in a position to do. Um, but we discussed the, the 50 mile option and it was a bit like, well, I don't know about 50 miles. It's longer than we've gone before. And we were both saying this. Um, and then I spoke to my running coach. I basically sent him a message and said, look, 50 miles in seven weeks time is this feasible um he came back and said you did a 50k last year 50k to 50 miles the only difference really is that you walk more um i forwarded that message on to ty and said yeah cool let's go for it um and then well you pick up from there ty yeah so um i think i'm gonna i'm gonna wind back a little bit to um to, to June, we'd finished this virtual run stock, and we'd done we'd done the hundred k um, over three days. And the the longest single day event in my plan was thirty five miles. And then there was some two day events, which were sixty, seventy, seventy nine, I think. So we're talking we're talking ultra marathon distance each day for two consecutive days. Um, and, and Paul sent me a message about this white horse and said, do you fancy a 50 mile single day ultra? And at this point, it was almost, it was almost clutching its straws. It was like I'd got mentally and physically prepared for doing lots of running in 2020. And we were just seeing events being canceled left, right and center. And it was like, well, these guys are running an event. They're a small firm. Uh, um, there weren't hundreds and hundreds of people. So they were allowed to run this event in, in September. And yeah, had, had the conversation with Paul and just went, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's just, we've got seven weeks to train for, we're now running another, another sort of 15 miles on top of what I was planning to do. Um, and and in, on the one hand, it was, oh, it's just another 15 miles. On the other hand, I thought back to the end of the, the, the South Devon Ultra. And if someone had said to me at the end, all right, you've just got another 15 miles to go. I'd have cried. It, you know. um, but we, we did it and we signed up for it and we trained for it. And we, we, did, we did 30 miles in, in Ashridge and Ivinghoe as a training run for it. And then we got, we got out there. And, and all the while you're doing this with this sort of shadow over you that they might cancel it the day before. You know, we'd, uh, I, I bought a caravan for this, for this event um, just to make sort of flexibility and freedom and, and to save some money on hotels. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And, um, and actually that turned out to be a complete godsend because caravan parks were open, but things like toilet blocks and shower blocks were not. So being able to be self-sufficient with, with accommodation was great. And yeah, load, loaded up and, and off we went, uh, all the while expecting to hear, you know, with a 24 hours notice that the whole thing had been called off. Um, and, it, and it was great, actually. It was great to get out and run. And I think, for me at least, 
the, the, the distance wasn't an issue. It was an issue in my head because it was a psychological barrier and it was, and it was a challenge, but actually having, having done it, the distance wasn't, wasn't an issue. Um, and I think a lot of that was that we hadn't had an event for a long time and all the other events that I had booked for the year had essentially all been postponed to 2021. A lot, a lot of them were with one company and they essentially said, right, we're, we're going to bounce all of our events to 2021. And it was just a relief to be able to get out and do something on, on new trails. And so for me, psychologically, trail running is about going to new places and seeing new things. And you don't get that running ever increasing loops around your house and your local area. I mean, we're, we're both quite fortunate, I think, Paul, Paul and I in that Paul's got Ashridge and, and I'm over in Essex and we've, we've got some lovely countryside as well, but it does get a little bit samey. So getting out and running White Horse was just a breath of fresh air. And, and it was gonna be that one last shout as well. So from a fundraising perspective, uh, we did really well that day. Um, it had been a while since we'd done an event. So it was a bit new and a bit fresh. And because it was so long, I could I could post videos on social media, things like, uh, right, that's that's the first marathon done, um, <laughs> feeling good, which for people who don't run long distances, the concept of running a marathon is, is, is enough in its own right to run a marathon and then pretty much get on and run another one. It, it's almost still slightly boggles my own mind because... I was, I was the one that a number of years ago said to Paul, I'm not really interested in distance running. I'll do some 10Ks with you and maybe do the odd tough mudder here and there, but, but I'm not really interested in the half marathon or the marathon. And, 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 and yeah, I'm still, I'm still slightly taken aback by the fact that it was even possible. And, that, and that, was, that, was the last, that was the last of the year, which is, which is disappointing. I, I signed up for a uh, very, very last minute uh, an ultra down in in Dorset, Lulworth Cove Ultra. And, and that was set to be probably the biggest challenge actually, because it wasn't the longest, but it was by far the hilliest, by far the most elevation. Um, and that got canceled four days before it was due to run. And we went back into lockdown again. Um, so I did, I did get some training in for that. And that was due to be the first week of November, I think. Um, so that, that kept the training. And then, and then after that, um, I'll be honest, I just stopped. I just stopped. I've, I've done some running since because 2021 was a thing and the intention was, and, and still is, um, to do some more, to do some more events. So, so those, those who listen to the first podcast will be aware that the very first event, the Blade Runner, um, up in uh, Penifan, I didn't complete that. It was, to date, my only DNF, um, and I am going to go and get that patch. Um, <laughs> I am going to go and finish that. Um, but whether it will run this year, I don't know. I've got a ticket for it. It's on the 30th of January, and I'm training for it. Uh, that's That motivation is back now to, to get back on and, and do some more training for that. But the reality of it is, I think, is it's going to get postponed. And hopefully it will be postponed and hopefully the organizers will be able to put it on later in the year but um 
actually we're seeing small businesses going out of business now. And for the, uh, so Suzanne, you mentioned about the, the, the economies in, in countries like Nepal, and clearly they have it a lot worse than we do because we're fortunate enough to have a lot of government support. Um, but even here and even with the government support, companies who had sold a load of tickets to 2020 events deferred them to 2021. Obviously, they've now given away a lot of tickets to 2021, but they're not going to get paid for again. And if they have to start deferring 2021 events into 2022, I, I don't know what the impact of that's going to be. So we might start to see events that we were expecting to run at some point actually not not run at all because the companies who are running them just don't survive this so i mean i i hope that we can get vaccines sorted out and things back to some semblance of normality quite quickly for well for everybody's sake really the tie um suzanne's obviously talked about how her plans might change next year mm -hmm. you've briefly mentioned there you think some events may run some events may not run are you going to try and replicate everything that was planned for 2020 and bring it over to 2021? Or are you just going to, you know, add your own little twist to it, a little plot change? What I'm, what I'm going to do, so, so the, the intention for me, because I'm, I'm not an ultra runner. I'm, I'm really not, I'm not one of you these. Are. I'm you not are. one of these. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now, now maybe I can get away with saying that, yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm not one of these springy people who is able to run 50 miles a day for five straight days and then come out the other end of it and still have feet. Yes. Um, yet, yet, well, potentially let's, let's, let's see how we go. And that's, that's kind of where I'm coming, what I'm coming on to. The intention was to run 15 ultra marathons in one year, which was not sustainable long-term. You know, the, the people who do this, uh, year in year out have trained and built up to that slowly and developed that kind of um, physical resilience that is necessary and it's a full-time it's often a full-time professional sport for these guys uh, I I went into this knowing full well that I, my body would not cope to do 15 ultra marathons in 12 months back to back for 24 months that was never that was never the plan that was never the goal um so i'm i'm playing it by ear I, I really am because what i don't want to do is go into this all guns blazing thinking that it's all going to be fine because it, it won't it won't because we're still not out of the woods with regard to covid and it won't because i from 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 the changes I've seen in my body this year, running 15 ultramarathons next year is not sensible. I will run ultras next year because I've got the bug and I want to, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I will start by running the events that I currently have tickets for. If they run again, that's, that's what I'll do. Um, ultimately, the fundraising, the, the fundraising goal was £10,000. And that was, it was arbitrary, really, because Children with Cancer UK will always need fundraising. Um, and High Five for Ollie are fundraising to a target, and that target is £250,000. Um, so obviously my fundraising is split 50-50, split so that's three 
3,750 into each charity. I wasn't about to go into this and say, I'm trying to raise a quarter of a million pounds. The, the, the high five for Ollie guys have, have put in a, a, an absolute sterling effort. And I think are now up to about 210,000. Um, and Ollie's doing really well. He's, he's back into a, a, another round of uh, uh, immunotherapy now. And, and obviously the, the goal, the goal was to send Ollie out to the States to, take part in a clinical trial which uh, would hopefully stop his cancer from returning and that was kiboshed by covid um and it was also kiboshed by by uh, him relapsing and you you to, to take part in this clinical trial you you have to be cancer free the idea is it's an immunotherapy trial which stops cancer coming back it doesn't get rid of cancer in the first place so it's it's a double-edged sword and i don't want to speak for his parents too much because ultimately i'm i'm raising money for for the family um but yeah the, the fundraising continues uh, in lots of different ways and i will be doing everything i can to do that and help them in 2021 but i haven't got a really solid plan yet because I don't want to fall apart and I also don't want to count on events that may not happen. Obviously when you set off with your challenge, it was about raising money, wasn't it? It was about raising yeah. money charity. It's a raising, it was a raising money challenge. Yeah. Went, and you, then you were doing the runs to facilitate that. That was an enabler, wasn't it? And if you haven't done the full 15, does that make you still want to finish the remaining ultras or is it more important to reach the financial target? So for me, actually, I want to see the high five for Ollie guys reach their target. And I want to continue raising money for uh, children with cancer UK. My financial target was arbitrary. It, it was something to aim for that I thought at the beginning of the year may be attainable, but only just. You want to, you want to set your fundraising goal high, but not so high that you only hit 10% of it because that's kind of demoralizing. I think for me, the, the actual number was, was kind of arbitrary. Um, I want to finish my events partly because I have, I have sponsors who have sponsored me to run 15 ultra marathons. I don't want, I don't want to let them down. I want, yeah, I want them to get, I want them to get the exposure. You know, I have sponsors who played a really big part in getting us to the seven and a half thousand and I want them to get the exposure that they expected at the beginning. The local health and fitness businesses, you know, these are, these are guys who have suffered through COVID in the same way that other small businesses have suffered through COVID. So actually, I think what, what I want to do in 2021 is finish the 15, finish the ones that I had signed up for um, and give the sponsors who've already donated to my charities the coverage and the exposure that they expected and deserved from this um, and if we can hit the 10,000 fantastic if we can help high five for Ollie hit their 250,000 also fantastic um, but I am also very conscious that the country has a lot of issues to overcome still and people in the main are not feeling flush 
at the moment. It's hard for charities and it's hard for charities partly because lots of their fundraising events have been cancelled and partly because lots of people don't have the stability, the disposable income and the confidence in the future that allows them to donate large sums of money to charity. And what I'm hoping is that the first part of 2021 alleviates a lot of those concerns. So Suzanne, Ty's touched on a bit about kind of motivation and things being cancelled. So just stepping back, taking a break from things. And one thing over the last 12 months that we've all really had to do is perhaps, well, not all of us, but those of us who are often motivated by more extrinsic goals um, have had to find things more more intrinsic to to keep us going or we've had to like Ty said just take a break step back how have you found your kind of motivation to to keep going keep working towards your goals and your revised goals revised plans to be honest I think my motivation uh, completely nosedived and and I've I've struggled um you know mental health my sort of mental health definitely took a hit you know I've I've had my battles with depression and anxiety over four decades um, and I still have that um I'm very much someone who needs to have something to work towards and so I suppose the effect of you know all the you know this past sort of eight months nine months however many I don't can't even think how many months it's been now nine months um and you know everything being cancelled it kind of left me a bit sort of I suppose floundering around a bit like a fish out of water I was like well you know what what am I what am I going to be training for and um and I started off um pretty pretty positive you know I did a I did a a virtual Everest challenge myself that was I don't know back in about many time I think um I live on a hill and uh decided that I was gonna you know trudge up and down the hill however many times to to complete the the, the equivalent height of Everest um which <laughs> and it's interesting what Ty was saying earlier about um it being harder to fundraise for virtual events I think it yeah definitely sort of has been um because I did make an error with that because I when I worked it out and I, I sort of plotted our, our hill and thought, oh, it's got a 21 meter elevation. So I worked out how, how many, you know, I think it was something like 160 times or something I'd have to go on down the hill. I thought, oh, that's fine. I'll do that in a day. And then I was, <laughs> when I was actually doing it and I was walking up the hill, I was thinking this doesn't, something doesn't seem quite right here. And when I looked at it again, it wasn't 21 meters. It was 21 feet of elevation. So actually it took me five days. Oh, no. and instead of it being, I think, something like 160 times up and down the hill, it was, it was over a thousand times up and down the hill. So uh, that was a big whack, whack, oops moment. Um, and it was in unbelievably boring. So I kind of spiced it up on the last day by doing the last the last day of it all in different fancy dress costumes <laughs> so just to try and kind of make it a bit more interesting um so yeah that was that was that was pretty tough and then I think uh, I did another one in in August and I went out on a 40 mile yomp around the Chilterns you know just just as a kind of a way to sort of 
yeah I do a bit of fundraising and and sort of keep myself going but I think after that uh, then I bombed I did go back to work in September I work at my local climbing wall and uh, we got that all ready to open in October we opened in October I got promoted got made the the manager of the center which was fantastic especially at the, you know that having had no work over the summer um we opened for a month then we closed again and then we opened again on the 2nd of December and then two weeks later we closed again and so this sort of this this rare this real roller coaster of uncertainty of things changing and um you know that that first long lockdown I coped with it quite well mentally I think I'd uh, you know I'd resigned myself to okay well my challenge isn't going to work so we'll just you know I was getting out in the summer walking and feeling very grateful to having the Chilterns all around me to, to keep out and about in and then the second lockdown was not so easy to to deal with and then this this last this one that we're in now um yeah gotta be honest it was a it was a big blow um sort of I wouldn't say I went to pieces but I certainly just kind of I don't know I just kind of wanted to just kind of curl up under the duvet and just not come out again until it's you know you you can't you can't allow these things to stop life from going on so I guess maybe that's where I have now you know in in rethinking about this new way of, of potentially doing this goal but in a slightly less time pressured way it has kind of fired me up again setting the tentative goal of g2 in june i am keeping realistic that it might not happen but it does gives me something to focus on and um, making the switch from being a road runner to a trail runner just been on my first little trail run this morning with a nice new pair of trail shoes um and i've set i've, I've entered a, a race in february which at the moment is due to to go on it's a 10k in henley on the trail so that'll be a, a first and just little things, little things to just kind of focus on short term goals with the, with the bigger picture still in the distance and still there, but not really kind of not really being the main focus. I think we, it, one thing that seems to be very clear at the moment is that we can't focus too far ahead because we don't know what's we don't know what's going to happen. So we can only really focus on what we can do each day uh, and just try, and just keep moving forward. You mentioned your motivation took a hit and I, th- I think mainly when everybody thought it was going to be this one big sort of lockdown thing everybody thought well once we come out the other side of it it'll all be fine but the problem is in between these these lockdowns you get that glimmer of hope and you get that a little bit more normality and you enjoy it and you enjoy it more than you ever have done because you finally got the freedom and it gets taken away from you and I think because that's happened multiple times it is putting people further and further into this sort of area of uncertainty and uncertainty is what causes all the anxious and depressive thoughts as well isn't it so Mm. or or it's certainly part of it but yeah hopefully this year will be a year where in a year's time we're looking back and going didn't turn out so bad (laughs) yeah 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 and I think it's easy to kind of dwell on the negatives of 2020 but there's always going to be positives that can be found in there as well and and actually kind of looking back over this year there have been other opportunities um i've explored my local area more than i ever have done you know i've lived here for for decades um you know i'm even finding 
footpaths that I didn't know existed and you have this kind of there's a reassurance I think when in the local area that you know I never worry about getting lost even if I'm going somewhere that I've not been down before so I don't really plan routes that much I just kind of head out the door and follow where my feet go and get to a crossroads in a footpath and go oh I'll go straight on or oh I'll go right or whatever so I don't don't worry about being lost because I know I'm going to come out somewhere that I'm going to go oh yeah I know where this is which kind of gives a bit more freedom to getting outside and and exploring around and yeah finding places that even though they're on my doorstep in 40 years of living here I didn't know they existed so in that respect it's been it's been great getting out and we've kind always think about exploring as being somewhere far away and we forget about what's what we've actually got directly around us and I don't know whether you guys found that Paul you know and and, and tie with your trail running and things like that and you've kind of found the same thing that you've actually been discovering places that were local but you didn't know were there yeah I mean I I think it was when we first spoke to Ty actually I had during the first lockdown i was setting trail running challenges to to clients every week and one of them was to just said go and explore and i said i want you to find at least one trail that you always run past and never go down and go down it and that became a bit of a theme for me certainly in that first lockdown was just going oh never been down that one let's see where it goes and sometimes it would rejoin with the path I was on 10 metres down the road. Um, Sometimes it would take me miles out of the way and I'd basically just have to turn around to 180 and follow it back again because otherwise I had no idea how to get home from there. And other times you found really great little um, routes. You know, they've become trails that I use regularly now. Some of them I went, this is a bit crap and I haven't gone back to them since, but... You know, that's, that's how it goes with these things. So, yeah, that's, that's certainly something I've, I've, I've done a lot of last year. Yeah, I agree. You know, the, the necessity to get out and do longer and longer runs locally and not, not being able to go and get that sort of uh, the, the craving for the unknown uh, satisfied somewhere else. Uh, yeah, done exactly the same. You know, you, you leave the house and turn right and run a loop and then you come back and I've started doing different things you know like exactly that always go left don't go left go straight over and see what's there you know it might just be miles and miles and miles of running along the edge of a road in which case that was a bit disappointing or something really exciting might happen you find a little bit of woodland you never knew existed you find some trails that you never knew existed you know, we're, we're lucky we've got the Flitch Way and the Flitch Way is, is one of these, it used to be a railway line. So it's very flat and very straight and very long. So if what you need to do is just pound out a load of miles, it's quite good. But it's also got lots of little trails that come off the edge of it and lots of little bits and bits of woodland and things here and there. And you only have to go a few hundred yards and you find exciting new things that actually most people myself included normally just run straight past so yeah no agreed and i i found uh, suzanne myself doing the same thing rather than looking so i've i've not been here for for decades i've been here two coming up on two years now um and i'd find that i'd look on google or i'd look on strava um map map my run or whatever it's called and i i'd look at where i was going and i'd plan a route and then i'd follow it 
and I don't do that anymore. I just run. And I think also it's at the end of 2020. So where I am right now, I'm quite confident in my own ability to go and just run. So if I go out, it could be eight miles, it could be 10 miles, it could be 20 miles. As long as I've got enough food and water with me, it really, it really doesn't matter. And that sounds a bit frivolous, I know, but it, it's given me that freedom to just go. And if it gets twice as long as I thought it was going to be, I should probably text my wife and tell her I'm going to be home late. Um, but it won't land me in any trouble. Um, whereas I think a year ago, certainly I wasn't in in the condition that I should have been <laughs> to take on a challenge that I took that I was taking on. Um, so yeah, like, it just gives you the confidence to get out and, and, and have a look around. You know, we've gone over a lot of negatives from, from last year and, you know, you can't escape, escape the fact that there, there will always be a lot of negatives associated with 2020. And, you know, we've mentioned the, the almost the dangling of the carrots and then snatching them away just as you get close multiple times, which has hurt a lot of people. But I think to finish up, we've kind of started down that road already. There have been lots of positives that have actually come out of the year as well. So I think we'll just go around everyone one by one and just name one positive that we haven't already talked about that has come out of the year for you. I'm going to start off and put you on the spot, Suzanne. I think I've kind of learned to relinquish control. I've always been, and I think, you know, it's part of this sort of anxiety and that sort of thing that I've always sort of felt this need to be in control of things. Um, even like Ty just said, you know, not going out for a run unless you have, I've planned the route and I know exactly where I'm going and and that sort of thing. And And so it's been one of the hardest things for me to get my head round this year because of like you said all the you know carrots dangled suddenly being taken away changing plans completely annihilated and that's been really hard for me to deal with but I think actually now I've kind of reached a point where I've just sort of said you know what it's okay you know there's I you know I, I live in a lovely part of, of the country I've got a roof over my head I've got food in the fridge um, I've got a fantastic family. I've got supportive friends around me. Nothing is gone. Everything is still ahead of me. All the goals that that I set for this year, they are still ahead of me and they are still potentially, they're, they're going to happen. But actually, I can't control everything. And so being able to actually let go of that control and kind of learn to more go with the flow is becoming quite a, a bit of a weight off, off me. You know, I can feel that kind of dark cloud that's been coming down over me over the latter part of this year is is actually lifting again and and it's sort of getting a bit clearer and it's just getting a bit easier so I guess if there's one positive that's come out of this um it's yeah getting better at letting go of stuff that I can't control Ty same same question same challenge oh God, I'm not sure I can follow that I, I I agree for a start that initially I was quite disappointed that things were being cancelled and postponed and now coming out, not necessarily out the other side of it, but certainly coming out the end of 2020, it certainly washes over me more. And I think something to hold as a real positive um, from 2020 is that personally and, and, the, and those around me, are, are still here and still safe 
Um, and it almost sounds like a cliche, but we really are in a fortunate position where the disappointment of not being able to go running in the countryside really does pale into insignificance uh, when compared to some of the hardship that's being suffered by people have lost their lives, lost, lost their loved ones, lost their businesses, lost their careers. You know, we've, 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 the country as a whole has suffered a lot in 2020. And speaking only for myself, I've got everything to be thankful for and nothing to be depressed about, really, when you take everything that's properly important and lay it out in front of you. I think that has been brought into sharp focus. And I'm, I'm going to take that as a very personal positive out of 2020. It makes you appreciate what you have. Nope. Main positives are um, how I spend my time. So I spend my time on what I find is more important now. So I prioritise things. Simple as that. Simple as that. Relationship stuff. It's all gone really well this year. Um, just general personal life. Yes, business has taken a big hit. But I don't know any businesses that have thrived unless they're sort of digital based or, or sort of supply based. So yeah, business has been amazing this year. But positive wise, all the stuff you can control, all the personal stuff. about you? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd echo a lot of what everyone's already said. I'd say, you know, like you mentioned, the business business has taken a big hit this year. When I look at the numbers compared to previous years, it's not good. Um, but that's kind of to be expected. And But you're still here. Exactly, I'm still here. And what it has done is made me look at ways to adapt going forwards. Um, which I think longer term will probably be better for for me and my business and my kind of personal life as well in terms of work-life balance um, and I think that's probably the case for a lot of people um, and then in in kind of a purely selfish physical goals kind of side of things I ran my first 50 miler this year which I had no intention of doing this time last year and you know I, I started as you know I started last January I set the goal of running 2,000 kilometers in 2020 that had also been my goal in 2019 and I hadn't made it I'd fallen fallen short by I think it was about 150k and in the end rather than running 2,000 kilometers I ran over 2,000 miles so I stuck another 60% on on what my goal was which I I don't think would have happened were it not for for lockdowns and and covid and the likes and and yeah I think that's that's my positives so very quickly Suzanne where can people go to find out more about you and your challenges so I'm on Facebook which is called Suzanne's challenge page um, and Instagram at Suzanne Turner Adventure Ty? Yeah, so you can uh, check out my website, runtobeatcancer.co.uk or Facebook, Running to Beat Cancer. And Luke? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, um, zen underscore anatomy, Facebook, zen anatomy sports therapy. And this is the end of the first series. So we're going to be bringing out a new series very soon. But you can find the 23 episodes wherever they're available. Spotify, iTunes, and just look for Talking Fit. Uh, I think you can also get them on Audible now. Tune in. You 
apparently i haven't actually tried this i'm not going to try it right now but you can ask your uh, I won't say the name because it will start flashing and trying to work it, but the, the Amazon device that begins with an A, you can ask <laughs> it to play Talking Fit and it will play us. Uh, so yeah, you can find us all over the place, wherever you get our podcasts and on Instagram at Talking Fit Pod. And I am at Paul Rose PT across the board, Facebook, Instagram, etc. cetera. Uh, so yeah, thanks guys for coming on today. Thank yeah, you everyone for, for tuning in. Oh, thanks um, for having me. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in and listening to us. And we will see you, speak to you in season two in probably a couple of months' time. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Bye.